G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Andrew McCall is Family Voice Queensland State Director. Andrew's back with us. Andrew, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil, and good morning to our listeners. Let's start with the Jerusalem issue here, Andrew. Penny Wong, the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, their decision to not recognise West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, uh, reverting back to uh, the earlier position, saying it's Tel Aviv. Uh, What are your perceptions around what's happened? Well, as you probably know, the, the status of which city is the capital of Israel is a very sensitive issue for anybody from Israel. And let's face it, if it was was Australia, we'd be saying, well, of course it's Canberra. It's not Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane. There's no dispute or debate about that. But within the world community, it's not quite as settled as that. And other nations with some other agendas do have some different perspectives about which is the appropriate capital of Israel. Unfortunately, it's generally nations which have an anti-Israel position uh, or there are organisations with a distinctly terrorist bent, such as Hamas. And so I'm not quite sure where this has all come from in terms of Penny Wong's position. Is she trying to be friendly, so-called friendly, with groups that have a certain measure of animosity towards Israel. It, it would appear that there's something kind of along those lines, Neil. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, we know that our national capital is Canberra, but if other countries thought it was Perth, we'd say that's a little bit silly. Uh, it's obviously Canberra. Uh, There's some commentators, they're calling this an own goal. And even as you say, Andrew, uh, there's one commentator I read said, uh, we may have alienated an ally in Israel, but look at the new friends we have, Hamas, a terror organisation. And any time a policy gets generous praise from the terrorists, uh, some are saying we ought to be a little worried about that. Any thoughts around just the, the way that it doesn't all seem to gel together? Well, there is, as, as we're saying, that's sort of a backstory here. And, and part of the issue, too, is that you may recall back in March this year that there was a, a rather unfortunate circumstance in the, in the Senate, in, in our federal Senate, when a Labor Party lady by the name of Senator Kimberly Kitchens unfortunately died. Now, after that unfortunate death, it was kind of revealed that there were a group of, of female Labor senators who'd been called the mean girls. And Pauline Hanson claimed that they were frequently quite cruel to Kimberley Kitchens. Now, that group of people, of female Labor senators, just happened to include the Foreign Minister of Australia, Penny Wong. Now, 
the Labor Party clearly has factions. And Mr Albanese said anyone who criticised those ladies at the time was being sexist. Now, he was never going to hold them to account for anything that happened in relation to Kimberley Kitchens. Seven months afterwards, who's in charge of Penny Wong? Is she now a loose cannon within the Labor Party? So it sort of cuts ministers loose when you start to characterise them and uh, and you say, well, who's actually influencing that foreign policy? And perhaps she's being lobbied by all sorts of people and now it paints Labor as pro-Palestinian anti-Israel. Uh, is that too harsh a criticism to suggest that that might be the way you characterise it? Well, I don't know that it's it's quite accurate to say that Labor is pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel, but there seems to be a sort of double-speak happening here. It, it's a little bit odd. It's, it's, it does sound like an own goal, and it does look it does look as if there are some, as I said, some loose cannons within the Labor Party who do have some kind of differing agendas here. And I'm not sure that our Prime Minister is quite in charge of the show as much as he would like to be. So you've got the organisation Hamas, a terror organisation, reportedly commented about Australia. It's a step in the right direction. So uh, we've made Hamas, the terrorists, very happy in making that decision to recognise only Tel Aviv and not West Jerusalem. Uh, interestingly, that it's Hamas who is quoted uh, quite substantially as wanting to obliterate Israel. So we've got Australia sort of, uh, it may be as the own goal idea, inadvertently taking sides with terrorists. Hey, let's move on because another very big and a great insight I know you've been working on around what we've all been uh, shackled with, these mandates over these past few years, Andrew, uh, delegating powers to government and how we actually formulate a response to that as Christian believers. We've been talking about this for years and uh, in a in a sense uh, trying to get a freedom position on it. You've got a biblical example from which we can draw some wisdom. Give us your insights here into mandates and what we can glean from an Old Testament passage of the Bible. Yeah, well, I've always found that the Old Testament is so helpful and meaningful for us. And there's a passage in the book of Judges in chapter 9 where it's it's actually some teaching about good leadership versus bad leadership. And there's a parable there about the olive and the fig and the vine. And, well, actually, it's about four trees, but we'll just start with those three. Now, what do the olive and the fig and the vine have in common? Well, they're all productive, needed trees. The parable tells us that they honoured God and they brought joy and pleasure to the community. And they had no great desire to leave behind their productivity and blessing for others to become leaders. Now, what about the bramble? Mentioned just a little bit later in that parable. Well, the bramble is harsh, he's sharp, he's dangerous, and he'd harm people. So it's a parable about, hey, you want to have people that are productive and and useful, olive, fig, and vine, 
But the bramble, I don't think that's going to end up very well. Okay. So, just thinking about where up to up to today. Many years ago, someone, a, a, a Christian pastor, explained to me that where responsibility rests, authority lies. And if we delegate responsibility to governments, but it may, you know, what if it makes a total mess of its decisions? What if they assume power to lord it over us? What if the servant morphs into a monster? And that's that's really, I feel as if, Neil, that's where we're at today. Wow. We've delegated some measure of responsibility to the government in terms of health, and whoops, how's this worked out for us? So servant morphing into monster. Uh, we might be able to identify a number of nations, uh, nations like China. We can actually identify that sort of happening there, can't we? And uh, North Korea might be the prime example. But So the trees said to the bramble or the thorn bush, come and be our king. And another part of that passage says the thorn bush said to the trees, if you really want to anoint me king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. Uh, something a little deceptive, but uh, but there's a certain responsibility on the rest of the trees of the field. We might make ourselves a part of that parable by saying, uh, who do we want to make our uh, shade and protect us? This is the interesting thing and in how it applies today. Uh, what are your thoughts on how that might apply if you're, if you're talking really practical sense about our education, our health system, our welfare programs? How does that all work, Andrew? Well, just beginning, just sort of moving from this passage and understanding it, what we know is that biblical parables and stories like this one or the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son, they're powerful. And Jesus told a lot of stories. And he told stories because they communicate truths to normal people like you and I. Well, I think I'm normal. <laughs> we'll count so ourselves in that today. Of trees, this parable of the trees and its New Testament counterpart is in Matthew 20, which shows us that the key to good leadership is a servant's attitude. Jesus said that whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Now the question is, when those to whom a task is delegated start throwing their weight around, we've got a problem. Now they're telling us what to do. And so we have to kind of consider this a little bit more. Now we've had this, you've had this, or we've had this kind of around Australia, no jab, no job. And so the fact that we delegated a measure of the, the care of our health to government has moved on from being a matter of health to one of compliance. Do as you're told or lose your job and your income. So there are hundreds of thousands of Australians today who found themselves perfectly healthy but sacked. Now, one can say, how strange, how bizarre is that? And, of course, you dig a hole and you have to keep digging and it gets deeper and bigger. And that seems to be the case when you've got government that's become the monster uh, with all of this compliance, uh, with these mandates, and uh, doubling down and reinforcing, and then it just goes uh, bad to worse. 
Well, it does. We've had Victorian police firing rubber bullets at peaceable, law-abiding protesters. The police handcuffing a pregnant lady in her home for peacefully opposing a government's policy. Now, this is not what we tend to do in Australia. This is a new thing. This speaks to me of authoritarianism. We are coming for you. You make sure you do as you're told. Now, if I had been, or if this lady had been in breach of some law, well, and, and, and no doubt there would be police coming and possibly arresting her, but it was such uh, an indication of, of controls gone mad. Now, fortunately, at this point, we've had some research being done into what's happened uh, over this period of time. And the Western Sydney University Chancellor, Peter Seagold, in today's Australian, he's written, because he's been doing research about this, he's been asked to do so. He says, protracted lockdowns and border closures during the pandemic were driven by extended policy failures and, 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 and too much reliance on narrow health advice. The review released today found that Australia's COVID-19 response wreaked economic and social havoc on communities, governments overreached and failed the nation's most vulnerable. He's saying today at that review's launch, which is on today, Mr. Shrigal said, government decisions during the COVID-19 pandemic were imposed ruthlessly and with little flexibility or compassion. Sounds like the bramble to me. Well, the government failed the most vulnerable. And yes, a right alignment, isn't it, to get wisdom from that Old Testament parable. Uh, For listeners who are wondering where that is, uh, once again, uh, you might like to check that out in Judges chapter 9, Verses 7 through 21 take a little bit of time to reflect on that and uh, some of the meaningfulness that comes uh, from that biblical wisdom. So Old Testament wisdom, but biblical wisdom just the same. And as you say, Andrew, there's that parallel that Jesus talks about uh, being the leader amongst you, be the greatest servant, a slave to all, Uh, be the one who is uh, looking after people not by dictating but by actually serving. So mandates, uh, bullying, brambles, biblical parables, uh, these are all very, very powerful. So if we were concluding something here, just to to pick up on something comes to mind as we're talking here, Andrew, global media characterised Australia as being a nation of people who were very weak and very quick to roll over under authoritarian leadership. Uh, somehow or other, our reputation sullied internationally in all of this too, but uh, the fact that we rolled over so easily to mandates, that doesn't say good things for what we might do when the next crisis comes. Any thoughts here for what sort of wisdom we might glean from what we understand over these past few years? Well, there's always things to learn from painful experiences, and we hope that we can learn from what's been taking place in Australia with with the leadership that we've had in seven state and federal governments. But what we what we understand is that the as one commentator Matthew Henry wrote that those who seek to rise and rule must first learn to stoop 
and serve. And these mandates have been the work of political bullies. Our governments haven't cared about the outcomes of their requirements. They haven't helped and have only hurt the community. And so as a response, we, we need to deal with this frankly and, and, and firmly. And I think that one of the things we need to do is to resist these in a sensible and intelligent way. You know, we spend a lot of time, don't we, trying to train our children how to recognise and deal with, even stand up to the bullies. We try to stamp it out wherever we see it emerging because we know it has such detrimental effects on the whole of society. And so when we're faced with our governing leaders uh, in that category, authoritarianism is that. It's bullying, isn't it? And we need to recognise that. And I guess the biggest powerful thing we have is our vote. When there's an election, we get to vote for those who are promising to serve rather than lord it over. Uh, There's some challenges there for all of us. Andrew McColl is Family Voice Australia Queensland State Director. Now, let me point listeners to the website familyvoice.org.au. You can connect with Andrew McColl via the Family Voice website. You might want to, and Andrew's written a number of books too. Just to mention those uh, this time around, Andrew wrote, They Shall Become One and The Significance of the Godly Family back in 2008. Inherit the Earth for Mid-High School Students in 2018, and he's recently published for senior students The Great Christian Revolution. It's a series of 11 studies dealing with some of the applications of a Christian worldview. So to connect with Andrew McColl, perhaps get a hold of his books, uh, do that via the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. Andrew, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's been great talking to you again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.